Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. I remember in my very early days as a wise, licensed management consultant delivering the Hubbard management system to others and hiring and training something on the order of 15 junior consultants and supervising them and so forth. Uh, I remember being routed a problem client that was a little too much to handle for any of my guys. The client was a real sourpuss. He had no kind words to say to anyone about anyone, in particular, his employees. By the time he got to me, he was on a complete roll about the incompetence of his staff, the incompetence of his consultant, people in general. But the big issue was his employees. Per our client, they just refused to do anything he told them to do. So anyway, he's brought it to me, he's sitting there with me, he's on a roll complaining about his employees. And uh, per him, per our client, they just refused to do anything he told them to do. So I asked him, I asked him, I said, these orders you give your employees, these things you tell them to do, have you ever put them in writing? Well, interestingly, he looked at me blankly. Never occurred to him, obviously. And so, of course, he said, no. Well, I told him, guess what? You have never issued them a legal order. Now, strangely enough, though he did not have the datum I then later showed him, which I'm about to share with you, he immediately clammed up. And you could tell I had gotten his attention. There was something there that resonated with him, and I don't think he even really knew what it was. The datum, the rule, is covered in an article by Mr. Hubbard from the 9th of February, 1979. He says it in other places as well, but 9 February, 1979, wherein he states, quote, if it isn't written, it isn't true, end quote. Now, this is a solid gold datum, one that will save you endless wasted time in argument, misunderstanding, conflict, and added unnecessary traffic. Put everything in writing. You want someone to do something, put it in writing. Don't tell them over the water cooler or walking by them in the stairs or something. Put it in writing and put it in a basket on their desk. Or if you have a system like that, send them an electronic message, send them an email, but not text. I don't recommend text because there's no record of it really, except in a phone, unless you have a, I guess it's getting more and more sophisticated. I suppose you could keep records of texts as well, but you don't want to use something that's just going to be hidden in a phone. You want it visible, either in uh, baskets, physical baskets, or in uh, folders or files on a computer. But put it in writing. This is very, very true in terms of agreements, by the way. If it isn't written, it isn't true. And that goes for any agreement. If you don't believe it, just look at the disagreements you have had with someone over business or just about anything. And you will commonly find at the base of it, uh, the actual agreement was never committed to paper or in a retrievable electronic format. It was never written. And no two people are going to have the exact same recollection of an agreement if it's not in writing. Probably even marriage vows could and should be put in parchment or titanium or something and signed on the dotted line. Do you remember your vows? My wife won't let me forget mine, but now and again, I think she, she slips in a new one. 
I can never be totally sure because I don't have the darn things in writing. But of course, I don't mind playing along with that one. But bottom line is, you know, if you have an agreement, put it in writing. Business agreements with family, best friends, it doesn't matter. Get it in writing because it does matter. The bloodiest disagreement I have so far experienced in all the countless disputes I've had a hand in resolving between my wise members was between identical twin brothers who had been up to that time practically inseparable. So there are no exceptions. If it isn't written, it isn't true. So what did I do with this uh, grouchy client? I gave him a desk and I gave him a typewriter. Do you know what a typewriter is, my listeners? Probably not. Some of you won't. No, but anyway, it's an old mechanical device that we used to, um, instead of word processors, to type out things on paper, right? I'm giving away how ancient I am, but nonetheless, yeah, gave him a typewriter, gave him a place to uh, sit, desk. I had him type out every single order he wanted his employees to comply to. Uh, this was in Central Florida, and his staff were in Southern Florida. So he wasn't in his office. He was in my office, but I had him type away and just say, here, you know, take out your frustrations on that typewriter. And of course, I, I cross-checked his orders to make sure that they were sensical. I'm going to give you some guidance on how to write an order in a moment. But, um, but anyway, I had him do that, and then I had him... Uh, I showed him how to set up baskets for the given receipt of uh, communications, something I will cover in a future episode, not this one, uh, which is the communication system that Mr. Hubbard developed for uh, enterprises or groups. I had him uh, showed him how to arrange time for the staff to have, have the time, a slot, to study the orders. You know, you should always have a designated study time for your employees to read the orders or go over them again or read what we call their hats, which is just a hat is simply a description of the duties and functions of a, of a post or position. So uh, I told him, showed him how to set up a, what we call a hat folder uh, for their desks where they can put the orders and a drawer to keep those orders in so they don't get lost. And I showed him all this stuff and he was happy as a clam. And I sent him on his way and we heard not one more peep out of him about how miserable his staff were. That I think he had lit, uh, few other complaints later, but the staff was no longer a problem. He became one of the happiest clients we had on the books, actually. So if you are having a hard time finding and keeping good employees, it never hurts to look at the common denominator that all these employees have. And that's you. Who, me? We have covered this before. Great executives make great staff. And one of the skills of a great executive is the ability to correctly give an order. If you want an order complied to, you need to know how to give an order. And the first rule, not actually, I'm going to cover 12 points with you from Mr. Hubbard, and this is not one of them because it's kind of a given. But the first rule is that the order is in writing. So with that as a uh, fundamental, the article I'm about to go over with you is on how to write an order by Mr. Hubbard, and it is dated 3 March 1970. All right, so here we go. So he starts out saying, there are no hard and fast rules in writing orders, but some comments can be made that serve as a guide for those drafting them. In the first place, and uh, now you may want to number these. Okay, so this is number one. 
They're not, they're actually not numbered in the article, but I counted them up and there's 12. Okay. So in the first place, an order must, all capital letters, communicate. It must be simple and easy to read. Many I have seen are fuzzy or confused. End quote. So that's from Mr. Hubbard. So your order, first and foremost, must communicate what you are attempting to put over. That stands to reason. Uh, you don't want it to be fuzzy. You don't want it to be vague. It's a very smart idea when you write an order to read it over yourself and make sure from the viewpoint of the person who's about to receive that order that it actually communicates. It is putting over the thought or idea that you have so that it can be duplicated at the other end of the line. So that's the first rule. It must communicate. Now he goes on to say this, quote, the person writing it should get a pretty good idea of what the situation is and what he means and why and what he wants done. So orders must be informative, end quote. So look at before you issue an order, you must be informed. You must have a pretty good idea of what the situation is and what you intend to do about it, what the why for the situation is, why you want this thing to be complied with, what you want done, what the situation is. These points make the order informative, which is all capital letters. So that's number two. It must be informative. And you must be informed so that it can be informative. If you don't have a clue what's going on, don't try issuing an order. Find out what's going on first, then issue the order. Have you ever done that? You're like, oh my God, everybody's fired or everybody this or everybody do that or let's put everybody on deck to sell or, you know, the problem is sales. Maybe the problem isn't sales. Take a good look. Maybe the problem is delivery. You won't know unless you get informed, unless you look. And if you give them orders that are going to address the wrong situation, and also, you may have people, if they're not being properly informed, like, why are we doing this again? Like, why all of a sudden are we, like, everybody on the phones? Or why are we all now, you know, scrubbing the place clean? Not that it probably doesn't need to be clean, but you understand. Try to make the thing informative. You'll find it's much uh, easier for the person being ordered to assimilate. They'll understand it better, and they're likely to be more cooperative. So that's number two, informative. Number three, quote. What he wants done must be within the capability of the terminal or terminals he is addressing. Remember, a terminal is a giver and receiver of communication. Any organization is made up of terminals that receive communication. They relay communication. So we refer to positions in the organization as terminals. Okay, so your receptionist is a terminal. Your salesman is a terminal. These are terminals, and they are going to receive communication from you, and they're going to give communication back. But when you issue an order, don't ask them to fly to the moon. T minus 90 seconds and counting. All systems are go. Okay, if that's not within their capability to fly to the moon, try and make sure that uh, your order is not something that is you're going to put them completely in apathy because they have no way of even attempting to comply to it. He goes on to say, quote, a truly experienced administrator or executive often has to work without all data to hand, so it is good to add an escape clause of some sort when one is doubtful. 
such as, quote, if this situation does exist, dot, 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 end quote. You don't always assume that a wrongness reported exists, in fact, as many false reports can get on lines. Further, the situation might have been handled. In writing three organizations to do something, it may be one has already done it. So orders should be non-accusative, end quote. Here's point number four. Don't make the order accusative. What is the point of that? Listen, you scurvy dogs, you know, you've let it all go again. You know, it's all gone to hell once again. So here I am and I'm going to have to issue this order and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, great. Think about wanting to receive an order like that. No, thank you. Particularly, it's not so bad if you really have been naughty, but if you haven't been and you're actually working your guts out and doing a fairly competent job, it can be very disruptive. Uh, You can lose good staff that way. So don't go for that. Uh, Give yourself an escape clause. You know, if it's true that you guys, you know, messed up on this, well, then make sure you do that, right? Try not to be accusative. It should be non-accusative. All right. So it goes on to the next one. We've covered four points right now. He says, I often get an order that is uh, a covering dispatch, which contains all the reasons, followed by the order itself, which is baffling if the covering dispatch is omitted, end quote. So don't write an order and then write the explanation for the order in a separate communication. Okay, they should be together in one communication. He says here, as the order isn't to me, why the covering dispatch? An order must be able to exist by itself and be, insofar as possible, self-explanatory, end quote. So don't write an order that you then have to explain in a separate communication. Put it in one communication. The order should be self-explanatory. Okay, point number six. As most people are not operating maliciously in any way, they basically appreciate help. So actually, an order should try to be helpful, end quote. Wow, how about that? My orders are going to be helpful, really? Yeah, man, that's what they're supposed to be. They don't quite know what they're doing. They're trying their best. They're trying to work it out. Not all the time, but, you know, at least 80% of the time. You know, your employees are there probably trying to get the job done. And they don't really know what they're doing. That's why they're screwing it up or messing it up. Or you need now to issue an order. Or maybe they didn't know they were supposed to do something. Maybe they hadn't been trained on that. So now you got to issue an order. Okay, that's fine. You order it in a way that is helpful to them. And they will appreciate that. And it'll be that much easier for them to comply with that. Okay. All right. Now, next step. Next one. Next point, rather. All such orders are received in an avalanche of other papers, or as an aside, they're now with you get a lot of electronic communication or email, right? So he says, all such orders are received in an avalanche of other papers, usually on a jammed, overworked line. So as far as possible, all other things considered, it should be brief, end quote. Now, this is something else I've observed where, uh, you know, person has backlogged all of his communication. Uh, has been letting things go to blazes, not issuing any orders, or he's only been issuing verbal orders and people aren't paying attention or they're forgetting them or they're not duplicating them correctly, so they get them wrong. So now I'm going to issue an order by George, and this order is going to be comprehensive. It is long. Oh, my gosh. Informative to a fault, um, generally accusative, um, 
doesn't, no one can really understand what's going on. It's too long. People aren't going to read it. Try to keep the orders as brief as possible. Okay, so that is the next point. And then he says, it's from Mr. Harper, he says, on orders that carry a broad discovery, one should also be interesting, end quote. Hey, why not make it interesting? Don't you want people to be interested in your communication? You just made a discovery. By gosh, look at this. We stopped promoting six months ago. No wonder we're struggling. So now I'm going to issue an order. And this is what we found out that, you know, six months ago, we got really busy and we have this tendency not to promote when we get busy. And this is a discovery I made. And you know what? We're never going to do that anymore because Mr. Hubbard says you should be promoting till the floors cave in. So we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to start promoting like crazy all the time. That would be a, I mean, I don't know how interesting it is the way I expressed it, but you can make it interesting. Oh, that's interesting. We've had this tendency not to uh, promote because when we get busy, maybe we should knock that off because, oh, I get it. That's what's creating the cycles of booms and depressions in this company. We don't promote consistently. So very interesting. So now I have an order that I'm supposed to get this promotion out every week. By golly. Well, that makes sense. I'm going to start doing that. That's my part of the, the deal here. That's my end of the canoe. I'm going to start uh, uh, making sure the promotion goes out every week because I'm the director of promotion and marketing in this place. Something like that, right? But it was interesting. Try to make it interesting. Here's the next point from Mr. Albert. But above all, an order should be clear, end quote. Make sure it's clear exactly what you want. If you're going to order bolts, make sure you put the dimensions of the bolts you're ordering. If you're going to name what you want them to get, make sure you name it accurately and it's perfectly clear. There's nothing there that's left to question. Because the more unclear it is, the more likely that the compliance to that order will be uh, altered or wrong or not what you need or want. Okay. So now again, it's a good policy to reread uh, until you really get the hang of this, reread your orders and look at how they align up with these 12 points we're going over. And as he says, above all, an order should be clear. All right. Now he goes on to say this, a couple more points here. If you want an order followed, it has to be addressed to somebody, all capital letters, who will supervise or produce it, end quote. You know, uh, don't issue an order like everybody's got to get to work. That's not addressed to anybody. There's no one who's going to supervise it. No one's responsible for it. You know, everybody starts to, needs to start contributing to the income of the organization. They all got to do something. That's too general. It's not addressed to somebody. You want to send an order to the marketing person, say, look, we need a new campaign, get a new campaign created. I want some surveys on my desk by tomorrow, noon, whatever, whatever it is, you know, and um, so that we can get the promotion spiced up and spruced up and freshened up so we can start getting some results around here. You can issue an order like that. And to the salespeople, look at anybody who is uh, having a hard time making their sales quota needs to go see, um, you know, the trainer, the company trainer and figure out what he can improve upon. And uh, I need a compliance to this in the next 48 hours, something like that. That's addressed to the director of sales. So now you've got someone who can receive the order and comply to the order. It's got to be addressed to somebody, right? Don't make it all this big general, everybody do this, right? Uh, then he says, <laughs> you wouldn't think you'd have to make this point, but it's actually a good point. Orders that are issued should better things. That's the next point, better things. Again, all these points he capitalizes. 
better thing. Yeah, why issue an order if it's not going to improve anything? Don't issue an order just to issue an order. Don't issue an order just to get back at somebody. Well, I'm going to fix that guy. You know, I, you know he's, uh, he's being a little bit slack, so I'm going to issue this order there. No more breaks or something like that. You know, does that improve anything? Well, you know what? You know, maybe you should just have a talk with the guy. I don't know. It doesn't really require an order. The order's not going to improve anything. Yeah, we eliminated breaks. Now we fixed them. You know, take a look at it. Make sure it's going to actually better things before you issue that order. And then he goes on to say this. He says, it is not enough to say, stop doing blank. And is often taken all too literally. One should say what it is one should do, end quote. I've made this mistake so many times, you know, stop doing blah. And of course, not only do they stop doing blah, then they stop doing it forever. You know, be a little more specific. If you want them to stop doing something for a moment, you know, then tell them, yeah, stop doing that right now. But, um, but also tell them what they should do. Capital D, capital O. Don't just tell them what they can't do. Tell them what they can do. So, you know, stop. Uh, calling this particular public, you know, we're not interested in people, you know, 65 and older, say, for this gym that we're creating, you know, make sure you contact what you are to do is contact our prime uh, public, which is between the ages of 30 and 45 or something like that, right? I'm just making this up as I go, but you get the idea. Don't just tell them what they can't do. Tell them what they can do. Uh, if you issue a bunch of orders that you can't do this, and you can't do that. Um, people will stop really doing anything. You'll find. Okay. All right. And then here's the final point. When whatever it is, is done, one should also say to whom it should be reported, end quote. So when you've wrapped up this all hands, uh, mail out where everybody's going to, you know, take the Christmas cards and stuff them in envelopes and put the labels on them and put the stamps on them and got them all out the door. Uh, uh, the director of communication needs to report to me that it is now done. It is so annoying to issue orders and uh, wonder whether they're ever done or not. So make it very clear to whom uh, it should be reported when it is done. You know, report it to the, you know, to the uh, director of uh, human resources or the public relations executive or whatever it is you want to say. When this is done, please report your compliance to so-and-so. All right? So those are the points. I counted them up. I thought there were 12 of them. I wonder if I was wrong. Let's see. So I'm just going to read you now the, the capitalized words of each of these points as a summary. They are communicate, informative, capability, non-accusative, Self-explanatory, helpful, brief, interesting, clear, addressed to somebody, better things, do, and reported. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Oh, I blew it. There's 13 points, but I'm not going to change the title uh, because, I don't know, 13 is not a lucky number anyway.
So we'll leave it with 12, but it's actually 13. And I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you learned something from it. Uh, yeah, you should issue orders. They should be in writing. Make sure they have all these points in and you will have a much happier crew and a much likelier um, acceptance of those orders and much more likely for them to be complied to. Okay. So hope this was helpful. Please leave a like if you liked it. Uh, make your comments. I like reading them. Write me at info at wiseeastress.org. Let me know what you got out of this. These are the actual 13 points, given that I really know how to add or count of how to write an order. But I do think 12 sounds better. So we're going to leave the title as it is and uh, have fun with it. Mess around with it. Start issuing proper orders in writing. And let's just see what happens to your organization. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. And we will be talking again next week.